It's a perfect time to come in because we're beginning a brand new series called Relation Slips. And yes, we know we spelt it wrong. It's a play on words. But we're, what we're talking about is, is the tendency, the, the slips that we have in our relationships that, that all of us, the, the common ones, and how to avoid those slips. The truth is not one of us, no one of us, you know, goes into a relationship with the intention of we're going to make a mess of this. Right? Nobody goes into a relationship going, let's see if we can make this as difficult as possible and we can hurt one another. Let's make this strenuous. It's going to be stressful. We don't, none of us go into relationships with the intention of making it difficult. And if you do, God help you. Like, you, you need counseling or something. I don't know. But none of us go into marriage, you know, on marriage day going, hey, you know, this is going to end in divorce. We all go into our, our wedding day full in love. And we all have this anticipation and this thought that we're going to be different than anybody else. Nobody's been in as love as, as we are. And, and this is going to be easy. This is not going to be difficult. I remember in premarital counseling, our, you know, our pastor told Joylyn and I, marriage is work. And we just kind of looked at him and were like, yeah, but you don't know how much love we are. Like, you don't know how much we're in love. Like, it's, how hard can it be? <laughs> and then, much like how we never intend to slip on ice, like, we don't walk out there and go, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to wipe out and bang my head real bad. Like, I, we don't intend to do that. A couple of years ago, um, I was in a, a public parking lot, uh, and, you know, people around and all the rest of it, and I opened the door of my car, and next thing, I was lying under my car and in much pain. Like, it's just like, whew, and then I get up in much pain, and I'm like, and people come running, and you're more embarrassed that people come running to see if you're okay, because you're like, you saw that? Oh, <laughs> I never intended, I never thought, hey, you know what today I'm going to do? I'm going to wipe out really bad. Like, I, I, we don't intend that. But much like when we know that conditions are icy, you know, we can, we can step differently and avoid certain places. Like, there's certain places around this building that I know to avoid under the eaves troughs when it gets icy or rainy or melting and all the rest of it. And, and it's been, you know, warm all day and then it's cold at night and you leave. There's a couple places I know to avoid. And I take different exits because I know where some of the icy places are. And, and, and Solomon said the same thing. This is what it, Solomon said. He said, the prudent, or in some translation, he says, the wise see danger and take refuge. So the wise know where the ice is and they avoid it. Right? It's basically what he's saying. But the simple know where it is and keep going and say, it's not going to affect me and pay the penalty. In the same way in our, our relationships, in our marriages, in going into marriage, we think, hey, you know, there's some danger spots and, and we should, you know, the wise will say these are danger areas. So we should prepare accordingly for that. The simple go into it and saying, you know, naively saying, we're so in love, it's never going to affect me, we're never going to have a problem, and, and you know, it's going to be all roses, like it's going to be fantastic. Now, according, and any of us who have been married for any length of time know, we, we look at the young couples that are like, right? And no, I'm not preaching to you, Zach and Tiana. Like, congratulations, you guys, but no, I'm not preaching to you. This, like, this was prepared before, congratulations. Like, that, come on. Just got engaged. How cool is that? <laughs> 
But according to, according to the Winnipeg Divorce, Child, Custody, and Family Lawyer, they did a big study and they did uh, across Canada, they did the study, the three leading causes of divorce in Canada. Anybody want to guess? The three leading causes of divorce in Canada, which if we look at this verse, we're saying the three leading causes are, these are the icy patches. These are, these are the danger zones in our relationships that we want to learn how to take refuge so that you know, we can learn how to prepare for that. The three leading causes of divorce in Canada, number one is money. Number two is cheating. That would do it. Number three is constant fighting. Now, I, you know, I've done a lot of counseling. Pastor Ralph's done a lot of counseling. Those three didn't really surprise me. The order of those three surprised me a little bit, but, but the, those three didn't really surprise me. So if these are the danger zones, Okay, then, then let's, let's, in this series, we're going to identify, we're going to talk about these danger zones and we're going to find out ways of how to avoid slipping in this treacherous, treacherous territory in our relationships. And, and I'm going to use a metaphor throughout this whole thing. And if you haven't guessed it yet, it's on stage. Hello. Even those of you online can see this. We're going to use the metaphor of, of a guardrail. Okay, so guardrails. Uh, and I'm going to suggest to you that you set up guardrails in your relationships so that you can avoid the potential danger zones and better your relationship so we can avoid the slips. Now, a guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And most guardrails, I mean, just think about this, most guardrails go unnoticed until you hit one. Isn't that right? Like, I mean, you don't pay attention to where all the, until you hit one. And, and here's the other thing. And when you hit one, it's probably because you needed one. Right? Nobody else? Okay, come on. The whole idea of a guardrail is to create a small accident to prevent a big accident from happening. Okay, that's, this is not earth-shattering revelations, but I just want you to focus on something. So to, to create small accidents to avoid the big one. So a guardrail is designed to take impact that it's going to cause damage when you impact it, but it is designed in such a way to keep you from the, the worst damage that if it wasn't there. Like, it's obvious. If there's no guardrail there, you go over the edge of the cliff. It's better to, to hit the guardrail and have a little damage to your car than to go over the cliff, Right? This, that's the whole purpose of a guardrail. And if you ever notice that guardrails are never placed in the danger zone, they're not placed in the danger zone. Guardrails are typically, like they're placed in the safe zone. They're placed on the pavement, on the highway, on the road where it's smooth and where, that's, where the, that's where they put them. They put them right on the edge of that. They put them in the safe zone and to avoid you from going into the danger zone. So what I'm gonna suggest with this metaphor in this relationship is that guardrails when it comes to our relationship is basically a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. Okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna suggest that you set up a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. So what do I mean by that? We're gonna talk about the top three leading causes of divorce. And we're gonna say, these are, these are and you say, for any one of you, you can say, well, that, those three aren't a problem for us. Well, that's, that's great, wonderful. 
I'm gonna probably guess as we poke at some of these that you're going, oh, maybe there is some issues there. Because we we're not always aware of where some of the tensions are. Sometimes we're very aware, sometimes we're not. But I'm gonna suggest that in this, that we're gonna set up guardrails, personal standards of behavior in, in the areas of, of money, in the areas of, of, of sexual relationships, and in the areas of, of communication and constant fighting. And if you can set up these personal standards of behavior in these areas, in the safe zone, it's going to help you avoid going off the cliff in either areas of, of money, of, of sexual areas, or of communication areas. Personal standard of behavior. Now, here's an example in the Bible of someone who set up a personal standard of behavior that became a matter of conscience. It's in, found in Daniel chapter 1. And, and Daniel is, just to give you a little backstory, Daniel is a young, probably mid-teens, you know, mid-late teens, young man in Jerusalem when Babylon, a foreign power, came and conquered his city, Jerusalem, and they destroyed it. They just, I mean, it, it's most horrific scenes of war that you'd ever see. They destroyed it. They killed the armies, that, and they killed most of the people and inhabitants in there, just laid waste to everything. And what was, Babylon was, you know, a, a terrible enemy. They were not merciful in any way. But what was custom for the Babylonians to do is when they conquered, they would take some of the 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 smartest, uh, best looking, you know, high, you know, wealthiest young people in that society and haul them away as prisoners of war. And this is their idea, is that if we conquer and we take the best of the best from each nation, we can train them in our culture and it's gonna make us stronger because we'll have the smartest, the brightest, the, you know, the most, you know, upstanding people in, in our society and we can train him. So Daniel was hauled away as a prisoner of war with a full intention of being trained by the king and to become one of his advisors, which he later did, and one of his counselors and using his intelligence and, and all that to influence the, and to make Babylon stronger. Now in the process of being trained, they had set standards of what they wanted to do. And in the training, we find in the verse 8 of, of Daniel 1, it says this, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for, for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, this phrase, defile, is, is interesting to me because... The royal food, other translations say it's, it's the king's, you know, meat. It was, it was whatever, you know, it sounded like a really nice barbecue. But, it, it, but and that this barbecue, whatever it might be, this meat that was prepared for the king, and wine, by the way, is not defiling. We, I mean, wine, we, you know, whatever your stance is on, on alcohol, this is not, in these days, wine was not a defiler because wine was actually drank more than water because it was safer. Water was, was contaminated and could cause, you know, all these illnesses. And so that's why they would drink these, these fermented things because it was safe and it was healthier. And, and we see Jesus drinking wine. So drinking wine is not defiling. Eating meat is not going to defile Daniel. But somehow, look at this in this verse, it says, but Daniel resolved. In other words, he set up a personal 
standard in the safe zone. It wasn't wrong for him to eat the meat and it wasn't wrong for him to drink the wine. Every other Jewish, uh, you know, captive that was with Daniel ate the meat, drank the wine. It wasn't wrong for Daniel to do this, but Daniel resolved, set up a guardrail, a personal standard of behavior that became a matter of conscience to him to where he believed it so much that he thought if I eat this or if I drink this, I'm defiling myself. He put up a guardrail. And I might add that it was such a personal standard of behavior, such a a matter of conscience, that Daniel was willing to risk his life to have to stay within the safe zone. Now, Daniel might have assumed that if I eat this meat and if I drink this wine, I'm going to give in at this level. He might have known himself. If I give in at this level, I might give in at the next level. And eventually, I'm going to lose my traditions. I'm going to lose my, my culture as a, as a Jewish person. And if I lose my culture, I might eventually lose my God. To which all the other Jewish people would have said, Daniel, it's just meat, it's just wine. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. Like, what do you mean it's going to lead us to there? But Daniel foresaw, and he saw trouble coming. He goes, if I, if I give in at this level, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stop myself from going over the cliff, and I'm not willing to give up my God. To which is like, it's just meat. It's just wine. What's the big deal? Yet Daniel set up a guardrail and resolved and when he resolved and he took this stand he knew full well that the king probably would demand his life or kill him and yet it was such a matter of conscience for daniel that he was he was unwilling to budge and he made up his mind before he knew how the rest of the story would play out We know how the rest of the story played out, but he didn't. And look at the next verse. The next verse says, Now God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. The most important word in this verse is now. Because Daniel in verse 8 resolved. This is the standard. After he resolved and made the standard, then it says, after. Now God showed up. See, too many of us, are waiting for God to to move before we make the standard. God, if you do this, then I will take a stand. If you do this, then I will do that, whatever it might be. If you show up, then I will. And, And Daniel resolved before. He set up a guardrail personally before, and then it says, now God caused the official to show favor and compassion, which is even more powerful. God will use your guardrails to not only protect you, but to direct you. In your relationships, God will, the guardrails we're going to suggest, he's going to use these guardrails, if if you do this, you follow through this, to not only protect you in your relationship, but to direct you. And what if we built guardrails into our relationships to avoid the relation slips? Because no one intends to to slip off the edge. No one intends to end up in constant fighting. No one intends to cheat. No one intends to fight and argue over money. But yet, these are the most common slips. 
And your greatest regret could probably have been avoided if you had set up a guardrail in the first place. Because here, here's the truth. We have a culture that baits us to the edge of disaster and then chastises us when we step over the line. Nobody disagree with that? We live in a culture that baits you to the edge of disaster and then chastises you when you step over the line. I find it kind of ironic, and, it, and I'm just gonna say it, but I find it kind of ironic, this, most of this, the Hollywood Me Too movement, chastising these directors for sexual improprieties when they're directing films that are sexually inappropriate. And I'm thinking, hello, they're, the society is demanding a certain, and, and, and asking these guys to direct this stuff and, chast, and bringing them, baiting them right to the edge of disaster, and then when they step over, chastising them. What I'm saying is, hey, hey stupid, how about set up a guardrail on the, in the safe zone and protect yourself before baiting yourself to go over the edge? Come on. How about financially? Come on. We live in a society that baits you right to the edge of disaster, tells you you should get a loan for everything and you should borrow this and you should do that and you should, you know, all, all the rest of it. And then once you, once you go over the edge and all the rest of it, then they'll chastise you for being bankrupt. And for all, anybody else see this? All of society sets us up to bait us to the edge and then chastise us if we step over the loan, if we step over the line. So what if? In our relationships, society will bait you to the edge in all these, these areas and, saying, and give you advice and all the rest of it and then chastise you if you step over the edge. And, and here's what I want to talk about, the first guardrail I want to talk about in, in the few minutes that we have left is, is the issues of money. And here's what's shocking to me. This is what the, the lawyers in, in Winnipeg discovered in their study across Canada, is 68% of divorces in Canada have to do with money. 68%. Now, I read this, these stats, going and looking for you know, stats, and I in, in, in initially went looking for stats to say how you know, has the level of divorce increased through COVID or all the rest of it, and actually it's kind of reversed, it's, which, is, which is amazing. But I found this, I was shocked, and I literally, I read this stat and I changed the series plan. Because I had no intention to talk about issues of money until I learned that 68, 68% of divorces have to do with money? That, I was like, really? But this is what they said in the, in the study. They said, that in these statistics, they said it, it, there's two things that are, are issues of money. Is that, is that people you know, argue and, and, and fight and, and separate over, over issues of money. One keeping secrets from another is one of those things. But they said the other one is this imbalance of, of income. You know, one having, being the main wage earner, and another one having this imbalance in income creates a stress in the relationship. And I was like, how odd. Odd, because I was like, what's, I, I got, I, why is that an issue? Like, 
unless we're not following Jesus's advice. Because Jesus talked about this, and this is what he said. In, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said this, Jesus said to them, watch out, that's exclamation mark. There's not too many exclamation marks in the Bible, by the way. Okay, so when you see one, it's kind of like, whoa. Like, watch out. It's almost that watch out is like you, how you would emphasize to a child who's running out into a busy street, you know, and, and, and there's cars coming and they're running out there and you're like, watch out. <laughs> like, be careful, like, watch out. And Jesus is passionate about this. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. No. Jesus is emphatic. Watch out for greed. All kinds of greed. I was like, okay, why not? Watch out for sin. You know, watch out for lust. Watch out for all this it, greed. Like, okay, why Jesus? Well, Jesus knew that greed would potentially lead to 68% of relationships splitting. All kinds of greed. He knew that greed is a great separator in relationships. And I think Jesus also knew that greed is the one sin that goes most unchecked in the mirror. And what I mean by that is I've done 24 years of, of counseling, probably more, but as a senior pastor, 24 years of counseling, I've had all kinds of people confess all kinds of sins and, and, and issues and struggles. But I, in those 24 years and the thousands of people that I've, that I've counseled, and I asked Pastor Ralph this, and the thousand people that he's counseled, and, you know, Pastor Cindy, all the rest of it. I've never had one person ever confess to me, you know what my problem is, is I'm greedy. Never had anybody ever confess greed. Because we don't think we're greedy, we just think, no, I'm just good with money, or no, I just, I'm just, I'm being smart, I'm playing it safe, and I'm, I'm just protecting what I got, like, we don't think of it as greed, but, but Jesus said there's all kinds of greed, and he says watch out emphatically because he knows that greed is the great separator. But he also, if one of the major areas is the imbalance of income, which if you're, if you're one of those couples, like, don't worry, because Jesus said there's a way to set up a guardrail that that doesn't become a tense issue, that shouldn't become a tense issue. And if, you know, in these discussions, he tells us how to do this. This isn't how Jesus said this. He said, in Mark, he said, in the original creation, God made male and female to be together. And because of this, a man leaves his father and mother, and in marriage, he becomes one flesh with a woman, no longer two individuals, but forming a new unity. So this verse is often used in regards to the sexual relationship, the two become one. But Jesus wasn't just talking about the sexual relationship, Jesus was talking about all aspects. The two becoming one, no longer two individuals in everything. So here, if we're paying attention, is a guardrail when it comes to our finances. It's not a sin to have separate bank accounts. But, I'd highly recommend you have joint accounts. All of your accounts. Got really quiet in here, Pastor Ralph. People are looking at me like, and I, this is why I'd recommend, because here's the thing that I've discovered with money and the tensions with, with issues with money. 
is, 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 isn't money, fun? money's funny, because money is basically addition and subtraction. It's basically numbers on, a, like it's addition. And when you spend, subtraction, it goes away. And when you, and you earn, addition. But why is it that most of our arguments starts with, where did it go? I thought we had. Anybody else? What happened to? Or I thought, I, I was sure. Anybody else? Come on. This is where it all starts. And the problem that happens, the reason why we fight and go over the cliff is really the cliff is the mystery. And we fight over what we don't know. So what I'm saying is, and we're fighting over what we thought or what we assumed. Right? And so if we assume, so how do you do that? If you can avoid the assumptions and you, and you can take away the mystery, you will and take away the mysteries of it all, you can better protect, set up guardrails to protect yourself from going over the cliff and having debates over this. So why, if, if the leading, one of the leading causes of arguments is, you know, one of the leading causes of divorce is money and one of the leading causes of, of the fights and, and separation is, is, is incomes, Jesus says the two become one. It shouldn't matter who makes more or how much more because it's not yours and mine, it's ours. It's not you and me, it's we, right? Like, shouldn't that be a thing? But here's the thing, when we have separate accounts, then all of a sudden we go, well, yeah, we have separate accounts. I've talked to a lot of couples. I've, we have separate accounts and he pays for the mortgage and the car and we pay, she pays for the groceries and all the rest of it and here's what happens. You get into the mystery where you assume, well, groceries you know, don't cost as much as the, that I thought they did and da, da, da. And so she has all this money sitting in this account and he's got all this money in there, da, da, da. And, and then we begin resentful when he buys this and all the rest of it and because the mystery and, and all of that that goes on creates these tensions. But if it becomes we, Now, what also happens in, in, in couples is typically one is a spender and one is a saver, saver right? That's typically what happens. And what typically happens is one is better with money than the other. That's typical. But here's what happens. If one is better with money and, you just, and you're, you're one of those that just is relieved to let the other do that and you're all the rest of it, again, don't, don't shut yourself off from knowing what's going on because if you shut yourself off and don't know what's going on, you're creating space for the mystery which is gonna create space for the tension. So what I'd recommend is, hey, even if you're not the one doing it, you need to be involved in, in having conversations and setting up. My wife and I do this. We set up you know, a weekly date. Sounds like fun, it, it, it is. But we set up, a, we have a date night that is fun, but we have a weekly date where we sit down and we talk through and we work through and we talk through money and what's going on and all the rest of it. And we do everything because, you know, to be honest, I would say, I don't know, nine out of 10 arguments that we've ever had have been issues over tensions over money. And then we're like, well, what do we do to relieve the mystery? Like, and we realize we trace it back to the mystery. So what do we do to set up guardrails? It's not wrong to have separate bank accounts. It's not a sin to, but setting, set up a guardrail to say, okay, there's, we're gonna remove the mystery. Another thing that we did is, is uh, when we set up, you know, set up a budget. Hello, 
practical, set up a budget so that you can remove the mystery. And we also set it up with mint.com so that all of our cards were attached to it. And we tried to do what we could to remove the mystery. And we set up the budget and it tracks everything that you spend. All that we, when we first started doing this, we realized, and this is, this is Kelly's confession time. Hi, I'm Kelly and I have a problem. But we realized that I was spending $300 a month on coffee. And I was like, if you would have asked me, I was like, there's no way, not a chance, no, no, no way, right? But there it was in black and white, removed the mystery, and it's like, oh, I got a problem. And so we're like, okay, what, well, what do we do? Because it would be worse for our marriage if I quit coffee. <laughs> Right, so what do we do? Well, we're like, okay, well, we're going to get a coffee machine at home. That would, that was, that would save some money. We set up, and, and what we decided to do look, is because there's other things where we're going, where did it go? And what we found is that, is that you know, she would go grocery shopping, and it was the little stuff at the till or the little things that they bait you with in the store that you buy. It's the little stuff that you think, is, oh, it's only, that's only a couple of bucks. Oh, it's only a dollar. It's not a big deal. But after a while... You know, a couple bucks for a cup of coffee turns into $300 a month, and you're like, ah! Like, where did it go? Right? Then, so what do we, what do, we do? We're like, how do we, how do we solve this? And so what we decided to do is we decided, this, this might sound trivial, and this is not righteous or unrighteous, this is just a guardrail for us, is we decided to set up a cash allowance that we get at the beginning, we give each other an allowance in cash at the beginning of the month. And again, it's a guardrail for us. And that cash is used for, for any of our extra spending, any of the extra stuff that's for us, all the rest of it, to try to remove, because we found it easier to have this cash allowance budget that's set up that we could see and know exactly what we're gonna spend, then we could do that. And when the cash runs out, guess what? Kelly's without coffee for how many ever days are left in the, that month or whatever it might be. Like, like there's, if the, when the cash runs out, you're out. And it gets to a place where it's such a matter of conscience that if you spend and you pull out the card to spend on something you know should be spending your cash, it becomes a matter of conscience where you feel guilty of having crossed that line. And it's it, it really, is it, is it a big deal? No, it's a bump. It's a small accident that saves us from going over the edge. You see what I'm saying? Because here's what we're, we, we've learned. Here's today's takeaway is that conflict is the space between what you expect and what you experience. Conflict is the space between what you expect and what you experience. All conflict. So if you look at it and going, when you have conflict in your relationship over issues of money, it's because you had expectations and then your experience is something different. Your expectations was, I thought we had. Your experience is, we don't. And the space between what I thought we had and what we don't is the degree of conflict. So too many of us try to focus on, well, let's change the experience. And instead, I think it's wise to set up guardrails to change the expectations. 
And the clearer you make the expectations and the more you remove the mysteries of what we know and what we don't know, the, the, the less conflict, conflict you're going to have because if you set up a budget and expectations and clear expectations, you set up allowances, you set up guardrails and all the rest of it, you remove the, the, the obstacles. And what's happened now is that, I don't know, I don't remember the last time that we've argued over money. What's happened now, all of that tension went away because it's not... It's not blame one to another or ex expectations one to another. It's now, it's now we decide and we, ha we know and we're trying to do everything we can to remove the mystery, to remove the tensions, to avoid the slips that end up over the cliff. This makes sense? So I'd recommend all of you, whether you're married or not, whether you're in relationship or not, when it comes to issues of money and realize that the tensions, whether you're in a relationship or not, the tensions over money are huge. But realize and ask yourself this week and do some introspection and saying, okay, where, where is a guardrail that I can set up that becomes a matter of conscience that we don't, that if we bump into will cause a minimal damage, but won't upset the whole thing. And I'd encourage you, if you're a couple, to begin talking through and asking through and go on a money date and talk about the expectations we have and talk about the allowance and talk about the joint bank, bank accounts and do everything you possibly can to remove the mystery of it all. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your word is so practical and that you give us, again, advice that we, if we live by it, will protect us from going over the cliff. And Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us. Holy Spirit, you're in us, you're with us. Help each one of us to have the wisdom in our conversations this week to know what to do and the courage to be able to do it. And I pray over each marriage now. I pray a blessing of them over each relationship now. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord that we are in this series, we're gonna learn how to strengthen and grow our marriages and our relationships in Jesus' name, amen. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess no with your mouth that Jesus is Lord believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. So I wanna run through with you guys right now a prayer that does exactly that. Uh, it's not joining a religion. It's not joining the church. It's simply just a relationship with God. So uh, if you guys want to close your eyes, bow your head, and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God, and I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my Lord, to become my Savior, to become my friend. I thank you that my past is past and that I can begin anew with you today. My heart is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So guys, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, first off, congratulations. Uh, there's also been a link that's been posted in the comment section there. Click on that link, fill out that form. We'd love to send you a Bible to kind of help you along in the, the beginning of this new journey. Uh, and yeah, again, congratulations. That's an amazing decision.